In our first two visits to Joshua, we've been focusing on the first chapter and the changeover from Moses to Joshua as the leader of the nation of Israel. And we've been considering the importance of being people who are obedient to God's will and also to being people who focus on God rather than themselves or their problems. And both of these are key to helping us to navigate our way through times of transition and change. And today we continue with this as we pick up the story with the Israelites by the banks of the River Jordan. What happens next is hugely significant in the life and history of the nation. In fact, the account of crossing the Jordan takes up three chapters of Joshua. But this morning we're going to focus on chapter 3. I wonder what Joshua was thinking as he arrived at the River Jordan with all the Israelites. I wonder what the people were thinking. The nation of Israel had found their journey seemingly blocked by impassable water before, under the leadership of Moses when God parted the Red Sea so that they could cross and escape the angry Egyptian army. And that was something that the nation looked back on with great fondness. I wonder how many of them arrived at the river early that morning with expectations that God was about to perform a similar miracle in the life of the nation of Israel, except this time he was going to use Joshua. I wonder how many of them arrived with expectations, and I wonder how many arrived with doubts. For 40 years the people have wandered through the desert since escaping slavery in Egypt and God parting the Red Sea. Many of those arriving on the banks of the Jordan would have not been there when the Red Sea parted. They would have only known about it through stories passed on by those who had been there. But the people of Israel have been witnesses of God's provision and protection throughout their wandering. The manna that God provided to them for 40 years. The quail that supernaturally came to them in the wilderness the rock from which flowed enough water to nourish all of them, a constant reminder that God was with them. So imagine that you are Joshua, you're the new leader. You've told the nation that God is leading them to conquer a new land and that the way you're going to get over to that region is by crossing the Jordan River. The last time this happened, Moses was in charge. Now imagine that you're one of the people. Joshua has told you that God is leading you to conquer a new land and that the way you're going to get over to that region is by crossing the Jordan. The last time something like this happened, Moses was in charge. I wonder what's going through their minds. Confidence, comparison or concern. This passage doesn't mention that people doubted Joshua's leadership or questioned his directions that were supposedly coming from God. But based on what we've learned about them, and people in general, I think it's fair to assume that perhaps not everyone was on board with this plan. Surely some of the people there must have suggested or murmured that there was a better, more logical way to do this. After all, Joshua was new and maybe he was getting his messages mixed up. Surely some people questioned whether Joshua was just trying to be like another Moses. Perhaps some of the people had become so used to living under the daily protection and provision of God that they took it for granted now, 
They no longer saw it as supernatural intervention. Oh yes, God did miracles, but you know, miracles were back then, the Red Sea and the rock. I wonder if we're like that too sometimes, often perhaps. We question God's direct plan for our lives because it doesn't make human sense. And we've become so used to what God is doing for us every day that we take it for granted. We're just unable to see that he still wants to do the miraculous today. Anyway, Joshua gathers the people together and tells them not just what is about to happen, but he also tells them the significance of what is about to happen. Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. Joshua understands the importance of getting the minds of the people focused on what God is about to do for them. He wants them to realise that God is still in the business of doing miracles. God is still providing for them every day. It's been said that the 40 years in the wilderness was about getting the people to understand their dependence on God. From the beginning of their rescue from Egypt, when Moses had declared to them the goodness of God, each challenge they faced gave God an opportunity to prove that he is exactly as Moses had declared him to be. In each situation, they find God to be faithful, true and steadfast. Never once did God fail them or fail to live up to his reputation. But here they are again, at a point of transition and change. Another point of literally crossing over from one thing to another. I read this week that one of the astronauts who walked on the moon compared its terrain to that of the Sinai Peninsula, this wilderness through which the people of Israel have wandered for 40 years. And he wasn't comparing it in a favourable way. For most of us, the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula through which the Israelites wandered would seem an inhospitable place. And we'd probably want to get out of there as soon as possible. But the nomads who live in that area now, they know where to find springs and would probably not relish the idea of moving to a different area completely. But it's human nature to get used to our surroundings, to become comfortable where we are and to resist change and move. The people of Israel have moved a lot. They're used to moving from place to place, but this was something different. This time they were literally crossing over into a new land. The Lord planned to do something miraculous for the nation and I believe that he still desires to do miracles in our lives today. God was going to do a new thing in the life of the Israelites. He was about to move them into a new land and a new time. They were stepping out of their past and into the promised future. Many of those gathered on the banks of the Jordan would have known nothing other than the wilderness years. Those who were old enough to remember longer would have only known slavery and bondage in Egypt. And God wanted to show himself strong to the nation of Israel. He wanted to reassure them that he was still the God in whom they could trust as they crossed over into this new life. What about us? Are we captive to our past? Are we in bondage to the choices and decisions that we've made in the past? 
perhaps the sins of our past. In Galatians 5 it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Just as God was about to move the people of Israel into a new life and a new land, so he too, in times of change and transition, wants to move us out of our past and into a future. I wonder, do you like roller coasters? Have you ever, as you sit in the car of a roller coaster, being strapped in, wondered who was in control? It may be that you don't really want to know who's in control at that time, who's got their finger on the start button, but the answer basically is this, it's not you. There's something terrifying about not having control, and I know quite a few people who have found this time of lockdown to be one of feeling out of control, and it causes them much anxiety. But what about the control of our lives? In one sense, we have no control over the temptations that might suddenly appear or the troubles that unexpectedly come our way. But in another sense, we do have control of the fact that we can avoid what we know might trip us up. And we also have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And while the seeming fortunes of our practical physical life might have its ups and downs, our spiritual life doesn't have to be a roller coaster we can experience victory in our lives. God's plan for the nation of Israel was to enter Canaan and conquer their enemies. God's plan for them was victory. And God's plan for us and for our lives is victory too. We're not meant to live defeated lives, slaves to who we were. God desires that we experience the liberty and freedom that only comes when we submit ourselves to him and his leading. When we trust in him in the moments of change and transition, when we still believe that God is in the business of doing miracles. God wants to do miraculous things in our lives, in the lives of his church. Now I want to pick up on something that happens just before this amazing river crossing. Before they crossed the river, we're told that the people rested. For three days they rested in God and then they were told to consecrate themselves before God because he was going to do an amazing thing among them. Resting in God is an essential part of preparing for change and transition. It is in the resting in God, in bringing ourselves close to him where we can listen and hear from him, where we can gain the confidence and reassurance from him for what is to come. And after resting, making sure that we're in the right place with him. That's what the people of Israel did. They made sure they were in the right relationship with God so that he could receive what he prepared for them. If we want to receive what God has prepared next for us, then we need to make sure that we're in the right place with him, that our relationship with him is strong. Too often when things get tough, when change is on the horizon, we can let slip our spiritual disciplines perhaps out of fear about what is coming or perhaps because of the busyness of it all. We stop reading our Bible. We stop making time for prayer. We stop praising God. We stop asking for his direction and we lean instead on ourselves and the world. And as a consequence, we end up getting stuck in the situation, stuck in our past, and the transition and change just seems overwhelming. But God made us to be victorious. 
He's done everything that needed to be done for us to live victorious lives. The Bible is full with God's promises to us. It's the story of how he has done everything, preparing us for kingdom lives. In Jesus, God has made it possible through the Holy Spirit for us to live kingdom lives now. We have everything we need to do if we just simply trust him, obey him, rest in him, and bring ourselves before him. The Bible sets out for us the truth about just what our lives could be. In it, we can discover the real potential we have if we believe it. It's real. They're real promises, and it's a real life that we can lead. God is still in the business of miracles, not simply to make himself look good, but because he wants our lives to be everything that they can be. But I fear that sometimes we read God's word and we look at what it says and it just seems like an attractive idea. The Christian life, nice to imagine, but not really practical. Why do we do that? If you or I went into a store to buy a phone and the salesman told us all about what this could do, how fabulous it was, about all its features, and then we ask him to turn it on and he says, oh no, it, it doesn't actually work, it's just for show. How pointless would that be? So let's not treat the Christian life like that. Let's trust and believe that God has given us everything that we need to be everything that he has made us to be. We can face change and transition confident in the truth that God has prepared us for it and that he will see us through everything necessary, even in the miraculous.